Welcome to Sports Tonight for a Thursday. I'm sports producer Scott Pennyman. Hey, we got a whole bunch of NFL to talk about. We got some, uh, well, we'll talk some NFL, but we'll also bounce around to a few other sports items that are sort of on my mind on this Thursday, okay? So let's just, let's start with some NFL first. So the Falcons are off today. The Falcons, uh, after they've been grinding hard the last week or so in training camp, so they're off today. They'll be back, uh, back on it tomorrow, uh, and they'll just you know be pretty hot. They got the pads on. They're hitting each other. Everything's cool, right? So uh, everything's going pretty good with Falcons. So there's a couple uh, sort of Falcons <laughs> news items I kind of came across today where I was just I was sort of looking, and one of those things just really kind of caught my eye. So there was an unnamed. Uh, NFL defensive coach that said they believe that Desmond Ritter, his ability and his skill set, he's going to kind of fall in line and maybe be the next Ryan Tannehill, which I guess makes a lot of sense because Arthur Smith, coach Ryan Tannehill with the Titans, did a really good job with him. He probably got the most out of Ryan Tannehill that anyone's ever got out of him, uh, helping leading his Tennessee Titans team to the AFC Championship game a few years back before they got beat by the Kansas City Chiefs, who went on to be Super Bowl champions that year. So it's no shame in losing to them. So I kind of thought about that and wonder, how do I feel about that? If Desmond Ritter kind of ends up being the next sort of Ryan Tannehill, which his words were kind of, he believes that he can be a serviceable NFL quarterback. So... I guess when you think about it, it's not a bad thing. Look, okay, you can look at it a couple of different ways. You can look at it a couple of different ways. So if Desmond Ritter has the kind of career production that Ryan Tannehill had for him in his life and his career, I guess it's not a bad thing. Ryan Tannehill, he's made a lot of money in the NFL as a starter. He was a starter in Miami. He was a first-round pick. Ritter was a third-round pick. He was a starter in Miami, started a lot of years, um, a very, I guess you could say, dependable NFL quarterback Ryan Tannehill has been. So if Desmond Ritter can have that kind of career, I'm sure for him and his family, that's not a bad thing because Ryan Tannehill has banked some money in his time in the NFL. So, And he's been a starter. He's always maintained being a starter. Um, so if he can be a 10- or 12-year starter in the NFL – and be dependable, a dependable above average, maybe average to above average quarterback, that's not a bad NFL career. However, anytime somebody calls somebody next Ryan Tannehill, it's just kind of underwhelming. It's just like, okay, he'll be a good quarterback, but you know he's not the kind of quarterback that can ultimately be a Super Bowl-level quarterback one day. So I think that's where it's sort of – it's just sort of lukewarm in my mind. It's like, yeah, it's good because it means you'll have a quarterback, a quarterback that can play in the NFL, a quarterback that can uh, win games in the NFL. But it just sort of just leaves you empty because if he's the next Ryan Tannehill, you know he'll never be a Super Bowl quarterback. So I don't really know how I feel about that, I guess, really thinking about it. But I guess at the end of the day – if he ends up being that kind of a quarterback, you have your answer at the position for the next 10 years or so. But you'll probably be stuck in that, I love that area. I don't know what area to really call it. It's kind of like that 
Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, Derek Carr sort of group of quarterbacks in the NFL where, yes, they're good serviceable quarterbacks, above average quarterbacks. I'll call Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins more than serviceable. But you know, you just know in your heart of hearts, you're never going to be a Super Bowl championship team with one of those guys as your quarterback. You're probably not going to even make a Super Bowl. May see a conference championship game once or twice, if ever. But you know, you know you're not going to win a Super Bowl. So hopefully Desmond Ritter can be more than that. Hopefully he can be better than the next Ryan Tannehill and he can ascend maybe to a championship level. I'm thinking Russell Wilson, right? Russell Wilson was a third-round pick with the Seattle Seahawks and and became one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Now, I know it's hard, right? I mean, of course, I'm not expecting Desmond Ritter to be the next Russell Wilson. But to me, in my mind, if I'm hoping where he uh, ends up being for the Falcons' sake, yeah, I I hope he's more so in that Russell Wilson range more so than the Ryan Tannehill range. So another NFL thing that's come to my mind tonight, I guess you could say the NFL season starts. Games start being played tonight. The Cleveland Browns against the New York Jets in the Hall of Fame game. So once football starts this week, it ain't stopping for a long time. We're going to have football all the way through February. So this is a football fan's dream. You're going to see guys on the field tonight. You're going to see a lot of backups on the field tonight. Deshaun Watson isn't playing. Don't expect to see Aaron Rodgers. Don't expect to see any of those guys play much tonight, if at all. You're going to see a lot of backups playing. But the great part is that we have football back. So that's a great thing. Anytime you can get football, it's a great thing. So when you look at where these two teams, though, these are kind of two interesting teams that they sort of picked for uh, the Hall of Fame game. Obviously, they picked these teams for the Hall of Fame game because they have guys going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, the Jets have Joe Klecko going to the Hall of Fame. The Browns have the great Joe. T- hey, look, the Browns have the great Joe Thomas going to the Hall of Fame. And look, I've been no secret about it. I haven't hid the fact I'm a big time Cleveland Browns fan. Let me tell you, Joe Thomas going to the Hall of Fame is so special because there are so many Sundays from like 1999 through uh, I guess we could almost say now, but the Browns did make the playoffs in 2020, uh, where all you really saw uh, good on a football field every Sunday was Joe Thomas. Joe Thomas was the surest bet every Sunday, week in and week out. He was going to do his job at an elite level. He was going to be dependable. But he was the only thing, probably him and Josh Cribbs, were the only thing week in and week out that you could look forward to being a fan of the Cleveland Browns. So watching him going to the Hall of Fame tonight is just so special because he was such a important piece. He was he was just man. I mean, he was about the only thing they had going over in the last 20 years, honestly. So it's really cool to see him going to the Hall of Fame. And when you look at these two teams headed into the season, um, Two teams with a lot of high expectations. I mean, when you look at the New York Jets, obviously getting Aaron Rodgers, they've got Super Bowl aspirations. I mean, make no mistake about it. You don't get a 75-year-old Aaron Rodgers and expect that um, <laughs> that you're going to just make the playoffs and that's going to be good enough. No, I mean, make no mistake about it. This is Super Bowl or bust. This is about within the next two years making the Super Bowl and having an opportunity to win a Super Bowl, they've loaded up. I mean, they've pushed all their chips to the center of the table. Uh, you got Aaron Rodgers. You have uh, a really good receiving core. 
They're in talks right now to possibly get Dalvin Cook. So that team is all about Super Bowl or nothing. So, you know, that's kind of things from a Jets perspective. And when you look at the Cleveland Browns, I think the key for them is it's a big season because you got Deshaun Watson, who you gave $230 million guaranteed to. So their entire season pretty much hinges on Deshaun Watson getting back to form. Everything that the Browns are trying to be from this year for the next two or three years strictly depends on Deshaun Watson becoming the star quarterback that he was in 2019. Played the last six games last year, didn't look like the superstar Deshaun Watson, didn't look like uh, the Deshaun Watson with the Houston Texans. A lot of it may have been rust. A lot of it may have been unfamiliarity with a new team, a new system, really cold weather like they had in that game uh, against the Saints right before Christmas. So, yeah, it, it – um. I think when you look at both those two teams, they're pretty much on the, I'm not necessarily going to say Super Bowl or bust for the Browns, but definitely two teams that have high expectations, expectations to make deep runs into the NFL playoffs. So they get their seasons kicked off today. The NFL season starts today. If you're an NFL fan, life is great, right? So just one more topic I want to hit. So something else that came across, non-football related, uh, so this kind of came across yesterday. I was reading Bleacher Report, and it said Dame Lillard, who requested a trade probably over a month ago now, uh, requested a trade from the Portland Trailblazers after so many seasons of losing there. He got tired of sucking. Uh, so he requested a trade, and now it, they've really had a hard time over the last month really finding a trade. So it looks like now that it's looking more and more like, who knows, he may have to return to Portland. And so... The Portland Trailblazers, and well, the report came out yesterday basically saying <laughs> if Damian Lillard has to return back to Portland, uh, he'll be fine with that. He'll go out there and play, and he'll do his job the way he always has. But I kind of got thinking a little bit about that. I'm like, does anyone involved really want that? I mean, does Portland really want Damian Lillard back after he let it be known publicly that he doesn't want to be there anymore? I mean, if Damian Lillard comes back and plays for the Portland Trailblazers, it's going to be the equivalent of a husband who has already told his wife that, she wants, that he wants a divorce, but is really just staying in the house for the kid's sake, right? Is his heart really going to be in it? No. <laughs> and so I draw that sort of parallel to Damian Lillard. If he comes back to Portland... His heart isn't really going to be in it. He's not going to give his all night in and night out because the man has already told you he doesn't want to be there. So I think it's best for all parties involved to figure out some sort of trade where everybody's happy. I mean, if you're Portland, look, you've got to do what's best for your organization. So you can't just accept anything for Damian Lillard. So I understand that and I get it. However, look, just take the best deal that you could possibly get and let everyone move on with their lives. If you're Portland, you've got Scoot Henderson, uh, the Atlanta native here, and you can move forward with him and just sort of build around some of the young players in that organization and set Damian Lillard free. I mean, let him go to Miami or wherever he wants to go, get whatever compensation you can get, and everyone move on with their lives. Let's make the divorce happen, right? Don't just stay together for the kids. All right, that's, that's not good for anybody, you know. So I hope they make that happen soon. I think that's the best for everyone involved. And he's done right by that city. He's done right by that fan base. But it's time for him to get out of there. I think pretty much everyone uh, 
who's been around that situation agrees with that. So one last topic I wanted to hit here that has a non-football topic. So watching so much sports this week, uh, obviously the big championship fight was last week. Uh, Errol Spence Jr., uh, Terrence Crawford. Terrence Crawford won decisively over Errol Spence Jr. I mean, that was perhaps – that was one of the worst beatings I've seen in – in, in boxing since I've been watching boxing, right? And I've been watching boxing since the Mike Tyson era. Mike Tyson beat a lot of people down, right? Watching Terrence Crawford put on a boxing masterclass against Errol Spence Jr., look, I mean, that was one of the worst beatings I've ever seen a fighter take in that ring, but, you know, Errol Spence kept coming forward. But, man, his his face looked like Apollo Creed's face in Rocky Four when he got beat up by the Russian. I mean, that's how bad of a beating Errol Spence Jr. took. So that led a lot of people this week to even question whether Errol Spence should continue his boxing career. There's a lot of people who said Errol Spence should retire. I even I was watching ESPN First Take and Stephen A. Smith, who I love. I, I love watching him. He, he thought Errol Spence should consider retirement. And I just wonder about that. And I go, where are we at in society where a guy suffers one loss, Albeit a bad loss, it was a really bad loss. He 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 got handled pretty bad. His face looked, uh, his face looked like he really went through it uh, in that match. So, where are we at in society where a guy can lose one boxing match and we're suggesting that he never fights again? Like, I get it. Floyd Mayweather may have set a standard where boxers feel like all is lost once they suffer their first career defeat, but it's only one defeat. Errol Spence Jr. will bounce back. He will fight again. And he'll be he'll win some fights again. He's a great fighter. He just lost to a better fighter. That's all. But I just think in this world, we're just so um, every game, every match is like a referendum on everything. Everyone believes that right here in this moment, the last fight we just saw defines you, defines your career, defines everything about you. And I think that's nonsense. Errol Spence Jr. is a great fighter. He got beat up by a better fighter. It happens. I suggest, look, now, should he get a rematch? I don't know. I mean, I, that's for him and his representatives to decide. But I think moving forward, there's a lot of great boxing matches left out there for Errol Spence. There's a lot of great fights for him to have. There's a lot of money for him to make. So just to even consider, for him, for outsiders to even consider that he should retire instead of moving on and, 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 and boxing, he's only 33 years old. I mean, there's a lot of really good fights left for him. So... Look, he'll lick his wounds. He'll probably stay away for a little while. He'll lick his wounds, but he'll get back into that ring and he'll be a brilliant fighter again because that's who he is. He's always been a great fighter. And one loss to another tremendous fighter, to me, doesn't tarnish that. But that's just me, all right? So those are my thoughts here on this Thursday for Sports Tonight. Um, once again, I'm sports producer Scott Pennyman. I'll be back at it tomorrow where we'll. Uh, you know, raise some more great topics in the world of sports. I'm going to give you my thoughts tomorrow, too, about all the Pro Football Hall of Fame inductees. There's a lot of really uh, special players who I, I know we all had an opportunity to see that are going to be going into Canton this weekend. I'll talk more about that tomorrow. As for today, that's sports tonight. See you tomorrow.